This is The Guardian. I'm Gabrielle Jackson coming to you from Daragland, and this is The Full Story. When Guardian Australia reporter Caitlin Cassidy was told that her landlord wanted to sell their home, she began an anxious search for a place to live in Sydney. And when nothing came up in her price range, she made a choice many adult Australians have had to make to move back to her parents' home. Complicating the challenge of finding a roof over her head in Australia's most expensive city is her 40-kilo Labrador, Murphy. Last week, Caitlin wrote about her situation for The Guardian and the response was overwhelming. Many readers share their own frustrations battling an increasingly expensive rental market, with or without a pet. So when will renters see some relief? And should they have a right to own a pet? Today, Australia's broken rental market. It's Wednesday, the 14th of February. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. I'm Caitlin Cassidy. I'm Guardian Australia's education reporter and I am recently 28 years old. So my housemates and I, now ex-housemates, have spent about two months now trying to find a property. And for the past two weeks, I've been staying either in my friend's spare bedroom with her sausage dogs or in the spare room of my parents' house, which is back in Melbourne. A lot of the houses that we've been to have been very grim, kind of from the outset. Well, yes, this is a bedroom. Smells weird. I remember there was one where there were cockroaches in the bathrooms and I remember the real estate saying something like, oh, it's quite hot at this time of year. And it's like, yeah, couldn't you have done just a little sweep? (laughs) And, you know, steps that were broken, just basic things that, you're meant to have fixed before you move in. Some houses are actually like quite funny and you're kind of standing there thinking, maybe this could be great while knowing realistically it's not great. Like there was one that where where four people and it was technically a three bedroom house, but they said there was a granny flat that could be a fourth bedroom. The granny flat was just tiny, absurdly hot, a sink that kind of went nowhere. And 
just my housemate trying to be really lovely about it, looking around saying, you know, maybe this is the time of my life where I I want to be living in a garage. <laughs> and it's like very bohemian, but it's also at the end of the day, a garage. And these are the places that aren't even that cheap. Like we're all on relatively okay incomes, but, you know, we're not wealthy. So we're ideally looking for a place for four people that's between $1,000 a week and maximum $1,500 a week. We did have a glimmer of hope where we thought we'd secured a pretty decent rental. However, we found out the landlord lived directly across the street, so I had to come clean about the fact that I have a pretty sizable Labrador and he was not happy with that. When we were having a bit of back and forth between the landlord and I about the dog and I was sort of in the stage of begging, (laughs) I sent a really long list of how well behaved my dog is, how he never barks, how he's really well trained, and then went to the mental health stuff, which is, you know, moving to a new city. Sydney is a big city. Having a dog with me has honestly been incredible for my mental health. And I think to be in a situation where you're thinking, do I get rid of my pet, which some people we've reported have been wondering, is just a really shitty decision to have to make. And I even said in one of my emails, I can't give Murphy up to the pound. I love him too much, which was like (laughs) dramatic, but that's the reality. I'm not going to get rid of my dog. And I suppose I would have thought that people would be more sensitive to that aspect of things as well and how much pets do bring to your life. Some of the feedback after I wrote the article was people saying, I mean, A, if you're trying to live around inner Sydney, then you need to expand your horizons, you know, go live in the different regions of Sydney or go live somewhere else in New South Wales or somewhere else entirely. And I think if that's the situation that we're at, that is crazy. You can't just tell people to up and move if your office is in a certain location, you know. I'm someone with chronic health conditions, so I love to be near my doctor. I love to be near my physio. I love proximity to my mates. And maybe it would be great if I could just move an hour away and live on the coast. But realistically, it's just not feasible. So when we found out that we had 24 hours to move out of our property, which was getting sold when we weren't moving into our new house, the conversation obviously became, all right, where are we going to live while we continue hunting? And luckily, we were all in pretty fortunate positions that we could either move in with friends, our partner, or our family. And I think that was a point in time where being able to go back home to Melbourne, though not ideal, was a massive blessing, especially with the dog. And I think what is really scary about the situation we're in is if you aren't lucky enough to have family that you can fall back on or friends you can fall back on or a partner you can fall back on, you're in a really scary situation if you're unable to find a rental property. And that's probably what I've been thinking about the most through all this time. Not having a house is actually really, really anxiety-inducing. You're not grounded. You don't have your foundations. You don't just have your safe place. 
And for people to be going through that for a long time and be struggling with the housing crisis and, you know, trying to raise kids in many cases, it's just the most basic thing that people have a right to. And I think that really needs to be addressed at a broader level. Next, inequality reporter Kate Kelly on how to fix the rental crisis. Hey, Jane Lee here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you probably know, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, which means we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, we don't answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we haven't put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers and listeners who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. So if you're able to support us, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. There's also a link on the full story page. Thanks. 799 ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, Kate. Hi, Gabs. We've just heard from Caitlin Cassidy, who's moved back in with her parents in a different city altogether from where she lives because she can't find a place she can actually afford. Is the problem the dog or the rental crisis? It is both. They are interchangeable and entwined. Central to the rental crisis across the country is the issue of cost and the difficulty of finding an affordable rental. We saw that in January, national vacancy rates were 1.09%. To give you a kind of idea of the size, the agreed amount between like the property industry and rental advocates is 3% of empty properties would work the best. So it's exceptionally tight. Mm. And then we know that rents rose 11.5% over 2023. Sydney in itself is the most expensive city in the country to live with. And we've got data from SQM Research, which shows weekly rents in for a house hit over $1,000 in February and units hit 695 So the affordability crisis is real and it's, it's impacting people's ability to find stable homes. Then on top of that, if you have limited protections like the issue of whether you can have a pet or not in a rental, it makes it a lot harder. 
Okay, so let's talk about the dog for a minute. A lot of people would just say, well, you know, maybe that's fair enough, just don't have a pet. Is that fair? The first thing I think of is would a bank say to a mortgage holder, oh, you can't have a pet because that might devalue your property for some reason? No, they wouldn't. I think advancing an argument that says renters shouldn't be able to have a pet is treating them like second-class citizens. Pets are really important, whether it's you know cats, dogs, lizards, whatever it is. For a lot of people, they're like children, they're like family. And to say to one cohort of the population, which is one-third of Australians, that no, you can't have that seems quite unfair. And are there any protections for pet owners around the country? Oh, absolutely. But they really vary from jurisdiction. So in Victoria, in the ACT and the Northern Territory, you have rules and regulations that say it's okay and tenants can have a pet, but they have to put in an application. And once that's submitted, if the landlord says no, then the landlord has to take them to the tribunal to prove why they shouldn't be able to and they have to have a really solid excuse. In the Queensland model, that's kind of inverse where tenants have to go to the tribunal to prove why they should be able to have a pet. In New South Wales, this is a really live debate at the moment and we're expected to see changes on it this year. The rental crisis has been described as a sign of growing inequality in Australia. Can you explain why that is? So Australia has a problem with wealth inequality that's primarily being driven by assets. And in Australia, one of the biggest and most important assets that you can buy is your house. So we are increasingly becoming a country of haves and have-nots, those who have a mortgage or own a house outright and those who rent. What we're seeing here is this issue is becoming really tense because for a long time, renters have been without fundamental protections. Now that you have more people renting for life, what we're seeing here is a push for them to be able to do basic things like have a pet and for the law to be able to legally protect them. How is Australia going at weighing up the balance between landlords' rights and renters' rights? I think if you look in comparison to other OECD countries or internationally what renters' rights are, Australia is actually quite far behind in terms of not just having a pet but, you know, simple things like being able to paint a wall or hang a picture up or, you know, knowing why you're getting evicted or you have to vacate and and there being ample time to find a new place. The national discussion at the moment focuses on no grounds evictions. So... No grounds evictions allow landlords to evict a tenant at the end of a fixed term lease or during a rolling lease without any reason. And this creates a power imbalance because you can be exited from your property pretty much in some jurisdictions like New South Wales at any time. Realtors will go, okay, well, we signed this person on for a 12-month lease. We're going to get rid of them at the end of the first fixed-term lease. Then we're going to put the price up, in some cases, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And then we're going to get new tenants who are happy or who are willing to pay that amount. But obviously that creates a really uneven playing field because you have tenants who are losing their houses and having to move around to try and find the affordable properties of which the cohort is becoming smaller and smaller. Have you heard from people who've experienced this? 
I spoke to a number of tenants in Victoria who had had the same experience. There is an apartment in Fitzroy that's very new and was rented out. The whole building was rented out. And then at the end of the 12 months, about a third of the tenants were told that either their rent was going up or they were evicted. Now, I spoke to them um, last year about the situation and the ones that essentially were given a no grounds eviction, so they were just told that they had to go and move out, later on then have seen their own apartments relisted, in one case for $205 a week extra, in another $185 a week extra. Those tenants weren't given the opportunity to stay on even with the rent increases, which created a really stressful and confusing situation for them. Kate, last time we had you on this podcast, you were talking about rental affordability. We're still talking about it. What progress have we made with fixing the rental crisis? Since I was last on, a lot of the states have had inquiries into the rental crisis. There's been a big discussion about um, how to mitigate rent increases. And there's a lot of more pressure on the federal government to move on this issue. The federal government kind of goes sometimes, no, We don't want to move, it's for the jurisdictions. But at the same time, they are investing, you know, $10 billion into the HAF fund. Can you just remind us what the HAF fund is all about? Yeah, so the HAF fund is the Housing Australia Future Fund, which is a $10 billion investment fund that the government is going to create. And then it's going to use its returns each year to build social and affordable housing. So you have been covering this for a while. What's the general sense you're getting from people you talk to about where progress is up to? Or do people feel a little bit of despair that things are moving too slowly? I don't want to be too heavy, but I think what we're seeing, Gabs, is an increase in homelessness. We're seeing renters kicked out of their houses and then they're relisted for $100 a week more. We're seeing people really struggling with the rental crisis and the cost of living crisis. And we're seeing home ownership become less and less attainable for a bigger cohort of people. The government did increase the Commonwealth rent assistance at the last budget. Was that enough? So, yeah, the Commonwealth government did increase rent assistance in the last budget, but all the experts that I've spoken to and the people on JobSeeker and those who access it have said it doesn't touch the sides. What are tenants' unions and advocacy groups saying needs to be done now? The key things are a full end to no grounds evictions across the country, some sort of mitigation of the cost pressure. Obviously, that's been a big national discussion. I think the Tenants Union of New South Wales, their position on it is that we have energy caps and there are there are no other essential services where essentially it is as competitive amongst consumers as the housing situation is. With energy, which is another essential service, we have caps on how expensive it can get. And when it gets too high, sometimes governments step in like what Victoria did and go, okay, here's $250. That doesn't happen in the rental sphere because essentially it's been left alone and the market is exceptionally volatile. So we've had promises by state and federal governments to increase affordable and social housing, but advocates and housing experts say it won't be enough to meet demand. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kate. Oh, you're very welcome. 
I got some really nice emails from people after I wrote the article who also own Labradors and their advice was to do a dog resume, which you bet, like it sounds ridiculous, but I basically just listed all his traits, puppy school, vaccinations, blah, blah, blah. And then you add a cute little photo of them. And apparently it adds this human element that might make people more accepting if they see his beauty in person then fingers crossed. We'll see if it helps. But, yeah, he's got his own resume now, so he's also open to work. (laughs) (laughs) That was higher education reporter Caitlin Cassidy and inequality reporter Kate Kelly. We'll put a link to Caitlin's piece on her search for a rental on the Full Story page. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, James Milsom and Daniel Simo, who also did the sound design and mix. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review. I'm Gabrielle Jackson. See you next time. love our pets but when the floor is covered in fur that's harder to love eufy x10 pro omni robot vacuum has powerful 8000 pa suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass plus the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance want to know more go to eufy.com that's eufy.com and discover x10 pro omni the best in class all-in-one robot vacuum for only 799 dollars tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free that's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads